Paul could say quite similar things about the Christian life in general. Salvation is by faith without works of Torah, but God will still in Christ judge each of us to reward us according to our works. But here in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul is speaking specifically about the eschatological last days evaluation of Christian leaders. Christian leaders, clergy and, I'm afraid, teachers, will face as people with some particular calling to serve the church, a particular challenge and responsibility. Right now, while we're doing the work of trying to upbuild Jesus' household, it may not yet be manifest, even to us, whether we are really doing well. Only in an eschatological, last days frame, can we finally know the value of our labor. There was a time here in Quebec when builders sincerely thought asbestos was great. So we must always ask, which aspects of Emmaus, which, which aspects of Anik, which aspects of my teaching, which aspects of my service are flammable wood, hay, and stubble? And which are gold, silver, and precious stones? By the way, don't tell Paul I said this next bit. But I can't read this without reflecting that gold, silver, and precious stones are not really great building materials at all. And not the kind of thing I think Jesus wants for the eternal house of God. But that's the sort of thing that happens when you try to find metaphors. People like me can't resist playing with them. It's in the nature of metaphors that you can flip them around a bit. Anyway, the apocalyptic, spooky imagery of building for God using ultimately eschatologically fireproof building materials leads Paul into a further thought, which bears on the identity of every single Christ devotee. In 1 Corinthians 3.9, Paul says, did you hear him? We, that is, we leaders, are God's fellow workers. You, that is, the rest of us, are God's field, God's building. I'm pretty sure that when Paul says about himself and his colleagues, we are God's fellow workers, he means it straight up. It's an amazing claim to make about the dignity of Christian leadership. Whereas when he calls the rest of the church mere ordinary sub-apostolic believers, God's field, God's building, he is consciously speaking metaphorically, perhaps to soften the condescension a little. 
we don't have time here to expound a theory of metaphor, especially not on the day we have an annual general meeting. But let me say quickly that metaphor works to provoke our thinking by daring us to reimagine something in terms borrowed from some other field of meaning. Calling lay Christians God's field, God's building, is only interesting because we are not really a field or a building. It's up to us to puzzle out, even debate among ourselves, what meaning to transfer from field and building to our self-understanding as church. I want now to suggest to you, now I want to proclaim to you as the gospel, that Paul is instigating a different, not just metaphorical, intensity of thought in us, when he quite suddenly says about all of us, leaders and followers, do you not know that you, plural, are God's shrine, singular, and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's shrine, God will destroy him, for God's shrine is holy, which is what you are. Later in 1 Corinthians 6, he says similarly, do you not know that your, plural, body, singular, is the shrine of the Holy Spirit within you? whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your, whoops, body. Again in chapter 12, he says, you are the body of Christ. And individually, members, that is, body parts of it. Paul is articulating a very complicated and to us rather strange concept of embodiment. But he's not intending to speak metaphorically. That is, if I understand these texts at all, they are not meant to suggest to us, they are meant to suggest to us that we are as fully embodied individuals and as a collective but still physically embodied network actually and powerfully the location in the social and physical world right now of Jesus' personal identity. When Paul says, you, your collective body, is the shrine of God and, God and of God's spirit, 
Paul is applying to us physically language which usually refers to the special presence of God in the Holy of Holies, the shrine at the center of the temple in Jerusalem. If that's a metaphor, it's a uniquely intense and physically embodied metaphor. Paul is saying that the Christian community collectively and each believer singularly is the embodied, tangible presence of Jesus in the world. In fact, I'm sure that Paul does not mean such language as metaphor. And here I also confess and proclaim that Paul is right. Our baptism into Jesus' name, your baptism into Jesus, and the presence and indwelling of God's spirit in the embodied life of each believer and of the church are our essential ontological, ultimate eschatological incorporation, that is, embodiment into Jesus' personal identity. Famously, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, echoed in Galatians 6, 15, Paul declares, if anyone is in Christ, new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Precisely because of the physical seriousness with which Paul asserts our union with Christ, he's also acutely aware of the ambiguities here and now. How should that work out? That we are still ourselves individually and collectively with all the wounds and baggage we still carry. Yet now we are also Jesus' body, possessed and animated by his spirit, called by his name. This is the challenge and possibility we face together in Jesus, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.